A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to Wilders Friday Night Lights, the Northampton Town Audio Show. I'm Tom Reed, and we're coming from a hot and thundery Northamptonshire on the verge of a COVID-19 local lockdown. It never rains, but it pours as a cobbler's fan. First up, Andy Bodfish is joining us. Did you encounter any extreme weather in your commentating travels, Andy? Yeah, I remember Pyeongchang from a couple of years ago. That was um, ridiculously cold. I think it sort of broke a few records, actually, in, in Winter Olympic uh, thermometer terms. Um, it was kind of like... Yeah, minus 25 for two weeks solid. A fortnight of thermals. So does your, like, uh, lip mic start to freeze up? Well, yeah, it was <laughs> like, you know, in the inimitable words of Uncle Albert, you, said, you know, the, the, the flame on your lighter froze. And we're going to leave Andy with his tales of frozen Pyeongchang. Move on to our own Babe Struth, my Maloney, revving in a strong baseball showing against the Bedfordshire Monkjacks of all clubs. How you doing, mine? Yeah, all good, all good. Yeah, cracking, cracking day of baseball Sunday against um, some brand uh, brand new teams. So um, yeah, we're all chuffed with that. And yeah, as you say, it was um, incredibly hot, and we're kind of still waiting on um, the storm that we're surely due. It's just like over on the east of the town, it's just muggy and damn, God, we we need thunder and lightning. But I, I think I've got, I've got kind of two for Cobbs, really, totally, totally different ones. One was an FA Cup replay um, away at Basingstoke, live on Sky Sports. But I, th- I think we had 120 minutes. Um, pitch was frozen. The, ga- the game, I think the rumour was, because it was live on Sky Sports, it was worth a lot of money to, to like, uh, Basingstoke. And you couldn't blame them for it. They, it was like the referee was just like, well, we were going to have it on. Um, 120 minutes, not a shot on target for either side. And we won on penalties. Carl Heggs um, scoring the winner and ripping his shirt off and running back towards towards our end of the ground. But I genuinely don't know that I've ever been so cold watching watching the Cobblers. Um, yeah. And the, and the other one, the other one, if I can have to. Yeah. Was just that crazy, crazy thing at Sixfields on a really windy day against Huddersfield, when one of the sponsorship boards um, blew down off the um, off the south stand, and luckily. It wasn't a full house, or we'd have been talking fatalities. Yeah, didn't it get abandoned? Yes, yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, you you couldn't have sent someone up there with gaffer tape and said, yeah, that'll probably be all right. It was um, 
you know, you are, well, I guess they could have just moved the Huddersfield fans into um, into the East Stand, because I think that's back when we had an East Stand. Um, but, yeah, they, they probably could have done that. But I guess you have something as dramatic as that. Maybe the safest option is you call it off. I just think it would be a good idea for the Cobblers to have maybe some uh, advertising boards hung up by magnets. And if we're losing, just <laughs> drop the advertising board off, get the game abandoned, yeah, you know, get a few more wins. So maybe we can start being a bit creative like that. But um, yeah, two two ones that live long in the memory. We've got Gourmet Chef in Brant, who's unfortunately now been barred from Beacon Bingo by Mr. Beacon himself. Telling a stories about the Gourmet restaurant. Uh, you you followed Cobblers for a long time, Ian, so you, you must have a few uh, extreme weather stories. Yeah, I was at that Huddersfield game as well. Um, I think it, I thought it was the East Stand. The um, the advertising hoardings flew off because I, I remember thinking they made more progress, you know, Mother Nature, in that sort of thirty seconds than <laughs> Kelvin Thomas and David Cardoza did to the East Stand <laughs> development in all those years. Because that because there's a bit of trivia for that. Patrick Stewart was at that game. Okay, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he was. I read it. Yeah, he's Huddersfield. I read it in in everyone's favour and Jeff's former employer, the um, Chronicle Echo, that he was he was doing an interview. I think he was like at the Durngate or he was promoting his show in London. He said, "Oh yes, I've been to Northampton. I I went to that game. That um, got abandoned because I, I remember as well the Huddersfield fans were taunting Martin Smith, saying he'd, he'd come here for the money." And one of them was waving. It's either a twenty or a fifty pound note. They were, it was they were waving at him, and this massive gust of wind caught it and it blew it out. <laughs> and like the whole West Ham saw it happen. It was like you've been framed for something. <laughs> that is. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a fifty pound note in my life. So I think uh, it's uh, that's out there, so they they stand out. Oh, right, okay. So that £50 might still be in six hundred somewhere, stuck to a wall or some sort of credit. Eagle tender. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's a... To, to know that uh, Star Trek alumni went to a picture was pretty impressive. Um, can you beat that, Jefferson Lake, who's joined us again? You must have seen a lot of weird and wonderful <laughs> conditions being a cobbler scribe for so long. Drippy roofs as well. Yeah, I can't. I can't beat any of those. I was actually, I was at both of those games, the Huddersfield and Basingstoke games. Basingstoke was, yeah, definitely the coldest I've ever been at a match. Even though when you're covering games as a reporter, you have to be there about an hour before and wait around about an hour afterwards, so you're there longer than the fans. Um, I remember when for games at Sixfields, I would drive to the old gravel car park. Um, down behind the south stand end and mm. try and have the heating on in the car for as long as possible before I got out. So I'd have it really uncomfortably hot in the car, almost to the point where I felt quite sick. And then I would get out and immediately be cold within about 10 seconds of, of getting to the ground. Um, but yeah, so that, and also the Huddersfield game, another bit of trivia, uh, nowhere near as interesting as the fact that uh, uh, Captain Picard was there is that um, Mark Richards scored in that game uh, and he hadn't scored for about 170 games prior to that. And then the match was abandoned and it was chalked off, as they say. Uh, so, yeah, some, some, good, some good trivia there. In those. But I think, I think really my main memory is, um, is of games just being incredibly cold. And when it's been as hot as it has the last few nights, I try to think back to those days where I was in bed after a midweek game and I still couldn't really feel my legs 
because it had been that cold at Sixfields. Um, the one, the hottest I've probably ever been was a game we had at uh, Silby, uh, Silby Rangers yeah. in Malton. Yeah. And you were in this sort of like uh, corrugated tin uh, stand. And I was so hot. I felt like, uh, have you ever seen the film Robocop, where uh, the guy, <laughs> the character, Emil, falls into the toxic waste and he I comes out and his, and his fingers are sort of melting. Uh, and then he gets run over by a car and just disintegrates. That's that's how hot I was. I felt like that. I I yeah I, I remember that scene in Robocop and that's uh, yeah very vivid uh, explanation. <laughs> a lovely an image for the listeners there. But Silby traditionally is sort of in the height of summer, isn't it? And it's often very sunny. And you know I always think of Silby and sort of like with this hiatus in football we, I, I had a little thought the other day we should have been playing seal bit this time you know it's, it's always like a sort of <clears> pre, you know, pre-season favourite for fans um, I remember do you remember Jefferson you might remember this I don't know if you were working at that point at the corner or whatever we, I think we played Wimbledon one pre-season I think it was Wimbledon when they were Wimbledon I think we lost 7-0 we Wimbledon. yeah yeah that's right yeah. yeah and they had people like Nigel Rio Coke really talented players but yeah. me and my friend went into and we'd actually been talking this week about pubs in town moon on the square before the game and we just for some reason drinking absinthe and oh, stuff, like we, we drank a lot of absinthe and i remember like just sitting and watching this game v wimbledon it was boiling as well and it was seven <laughs> it was seven nil. it was just like uh out of body experience after doing that you know like, <laughs> that was that ties in with the heat and then the cold one you probably remember this as well jeff and uh you brew for it for some reason the club had well, the club had this sort of like real pride in getting games on no matter what. So there was a run of games that was like at the Arctic out, and we never had a game abandoned under the group, I think it was. And I remember they put this game on, and people were literally just tramping through the snow to get it. It might have been Burton, I can't remember, but um, it was freezing, you know, sub-zero conditions. And I remember like having to go into the toilet at half time and like using the hand dryer to literally keep myself alive. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself at this point, is it really worth it? Yeah. <laughs> Literally I, a case of survival. Can I just um just slot something in quickly? Because it's amazing what comes back to you um while you listen. Yeah. I mean it's a sort of a cobbler's memory. Um, but playing junior football, talking about how cold it was, really cold day. And we were playing at Timkin. And I th- I think we were, I, play, I played for Blisworth, so it must have been 10 11 12 something like that and we were playing over at Timkin and it was such a cold day and a lad um chest trapped the ball um and oh, part of his nipple came off oh. wow. like, it, seriously it was so good I mean, you know and he put it in a little bit of uh, tissue and t- took it home in his pocket and and the reason there's a bit of a weird wraparound with that is that famous game at Shrewsbury in uh, 93 you know the Pat Gavin game one of the famous photos at the end of, um, you know, Pat Gavin being mobbed, it was my mate was in one of those photos that was plastered all over the crom. Yeah. Um, and you had no need for in that photo. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you, you zoom in, don't you? Uh, Did he have a, that sort of look on his face and mild confusion and fear of a man? Yeah, I mean, you could tell it. You could tell it had scarred him for life. You could see it in his eyes. Oh, quite literally scarred for life, I'd imagine. Well, no, exactly, exactly. But just it was a, it was a big commotion. You know, the physio came on. He played on. 
Uh, I really look forward to one of your wonderful drawings on Twitter, Andy. Um, <laughs> oh, mate, there'll be sort of bridal path, um, sort of, you know, a sketch trajectory of the <laughs> nipple flight after chest trap. <laughs> Did the, the nipple actually fly off, Andy? The nipple well, no, actually no, fly no, off. no. I mean, it, 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 well, it came off. They weren't. They were sure, obviously. Imagine. And there was, there was commotion, and people ran on and and whatnot. And I, I definitely remember a piece of tissue coming out. And because um, this lad's dad used to sort of co-manage the team, and uh, he, he took charge of the situation. Did he get a nipple-related nickname after that? Because surely you would be hammered weekly after that. Right? <laughs> okay. Nigel or something like that. He really what? should have done. And there will be plenty right there. <laughs> Jeff, can you imagine, Jeff, can you imagine um, when you were like, covering the, the cobblers or whatever, you, you, you finish the game and you ask the manager, you know, so-and-so went off, injured, how are they doing? And the manager goes, well, it's not looking good. He's lost, lost half a nipple, Jeff. Yeah, and then in the uh, in the team news the next week in the in the players out you'd put in brackets suspended and then in brackets whoever it was in brackets nipple. <laughs> <laughs> but we get too many serious injuries in football, don't we? It's always the MCL and stuff. We need more like I don't want to say we need more nipple action. You just want to hear like wrong. Harry Redknapp talking about that, don't you? Yeah, he's done his nipple. Well, he's done his nipple. <laughs> 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 Third grade terror of the nipple. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so we started off with talking about weather and we've got onto flying nipples. It's sort of like the broad uh, church of our, our podcast, which is rather good. But, um, yeah, so we've all we've all been there following the cobblers with some weird weather um, stuff. But let's move on to something a bit more formulaic in terms of this uh, chat. Um, how can I segue nipples to Charlie Good? You know, oh, there we go. I've just done it. Charlie Good uh, transfer speculation is heightened this week. It's at you know, it's at the, the most it can be. The, the club are allegedly quoting a million pounds for Charlie Good, who's never really done much outside League Two. Um, the question is, Jeff, um, would you reckon the Josh Lowe transfer record will be broken for Charlie Good? Um, you've got to hope so. You could have said. Speaking of nipples, on this podcast, we like to stay abreast of the latest transfer developments. Uh, um, edit that in. Edit that in. Re- re-record that bit and edit that in. Steal it. Just thieve. You can have it. Um, so, yeah. So, Josh Lowe is the, obviously their record purchase, isn't he? But the record sale is Mark Bunn, I believe. Oh, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't think they've sold anyone for as much as Mark Bunn. And his... Um, the figure for him is obviously undisclosed, isn't it? Um, so, so Northampton Town's record transfer sale is undisclosed. Oh, By yeah, all I've account- sort of read about 470 grand, yeah. I seem to remember, reading really I mean, around that mark. And it- I think I, um, there were sort of bits and pieces added on, as there always is, isn't there, for if they play a certain amount of games. But uh, from what I can tell, since he left Northampton, Bunny's not really played at all for anyone. Oh. Um, which seems a terrible shame because he's a very good goalkeeper. But yeah, I, I, that's what I got. Sort of around the 500 was what I was yeah. told. Um, so <laughs> for good, interesting one because obviously the chat is that someone's already bid that and it's been shot down. I tried having a look at um, transfers last summer 
into the uh, championship clubs purchasing centre backs, and it really is just a, a completely broad, um, you know, broad spectrum of transfer fees. Obviously, depending on the player. Uh, Aiden, is it Aiden Flint? Aden Flint? However you say, oh, I don't know. Went yeah. for four million um, between Middlesbrough and Cardiff. So uh, he's not at that level, is he, Charlie Good? He's not. He's not a, a Flint level. He's been. He was an established player in Championship and played in League One before that. There's a thing with the Cobblers, though, isn't there? Where you always feel like they never really get value for players. And I've and I've I heard you talking about this on the podcast a fair bit. Um, players going before they've reached the full value. Um, Ivan Tony is a, a very obvious example of that, but there's been others. Michael Jacobs, perhaps some some would say, didn't get full value for. It makes it difficult as well when they just say it's undisclosed. <laughs> um, the 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 I I actually said once, why do they always say undisclosed? And the the kind of the thinking behind it is we don't want the the clubs we then try to get players from to know how much money we've got. But I always think within the game, surely everyone will know. You know, agents agents will definitely know how much these players have gone for. Uh, it, it's got it's got to be the magic million for good, hasn't it? It's got to be. Christian Lee was supposed to be the first million pound player uh, mm. twenty three short years ago. But yeah, if they, if they can get a million pounds for him, I think that's I think that's good, isn't it? That's good. Uh, excuse the pun. Good, that's good business, isn't it? You'd take a million, surely. I think um, the interesting thing is, and what's fairly pleasing is, I quite like some of the what would you call it? Luster coming out of the football club and the the hustle coming out on the, on this transfer because yeah. in the past it's sort of been a quiet, quietly quiet. You know, quietly spoken thing, and the player will eventually go, and there's not much talk. But there's talk of rejected bids. They seem to be playing the the media quite well, and it's it's just it's a little bit more encouraging. I, I still think it's going to be undisclosed, which means that it don't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, it could be five million, it could be five hundred and ten thousand, could be three hundred thousand. Mm. I reckon it, the way it will play out, with they'll say it's a club record fee, but it will be undisclosed. But sure, I just like. I like the hustle, it, you know, Kikel yeah. saying he's worth a million uh, and stuff like that. You know, Kikel should have said, no, he's worth like four or five million. I just quite like yeah. that. Um, Ian, what do you make of it? Why Why would he want to go? I mean, who are the clubs coming in for him? Middlesbrough? QPR? Yeah. Why would, why would you want to go to either of them? We had Chris Freestone on this very podcast talking about when he got up there from Middlesbrough. That massive dark grey cloud engulfing the town. <laughs> That's London. Backstabbing central. The, the... <laughs> what want to play in the championship? We're in League One, right? There's going to be a vaccine any minute now for this COVID <laughs> thing. We're going to expand that East Stand. We'll probably be playing in the championship in like 18 months' time or whatever. Might as well stay. <laughs> Can't really argue with that, you know. Uh, Martin, what do you, what do you reckon? Do you reckon Ian's right that he should stay, or do you reckon there's uh, some some belief in him? You know, he wants to play in the championship and go up to the uh, beautiful smog of Middlesbrough. As somebody who spent two years living on Teesside and working up there, um, I can't really recommend it as a nice place to live. Um, but uh, I think, a, you know, a footballer's career is very short and good, whatever, and there's a story to be told here, whatever went on at Scunthorpe, what I said 
we don't fancy you, you're not very good, Northampton can have you for nothing. Even after he'd had a loan spell, he looked really good for us. I'm sure at some point there'll be an interview and stuff will come out and it'll be like, wow. But he's had, he's had a stormer of a season. He looks a class above both as a player and a character. You know, there's not there's not a weak point in his game as a, you know, defensive type centre half as opposed to a sort of libero um, ball playing sort of guy. You know, he is, he is an ultra defender and a leader. You know, he's, he's been fantastic. He's been integral to Curl's plans. You know, they're playing hardball. It's, we've got a really good player here. Middlesbrough trying to shortchange us. For, I've had a lot of Borough I've got a few Borough fans on Facebook from when I worked up there and I, and I still visit there as part of my new job. You know, ask what he's like. I'm like, look, if you can get him, you, you really want this guy. You know, a three-year contract in the championship could be you set for life. You know, it's more than we'll be paying and you can't blame a player for one play at the highest level. Martin's made some good points there, especially with the French on the rationale of uh, a player making that move up. Um, Andy, what would you say would be a, a fair asking price for Charlie Good, considering his, his well, physical I mean, stature, his ability? Yeah, I mean, just talking about uh, the club and the player, um, knowing it, knowing his worth. I mean, you know, why why not why not hold out for the the big number as? Um, as Martin just said, I mean, I think we, we made the point last week about um, the Dane Oliver, didn't we? You know, you, you, there aren't that many times in a player's career where you think, right, the spotlight's on you, um, people want me. And um, I mean, they're talking about holding out for a million quid, maybe a little bit beneath that, you know, 750, something like that. I just wonder because, um, you know, Neil Warner up at uh, Middlesbrough, he worked with, Keith Curl, didn't he? Curl was an assistant to Warnock at, um, I think, Palace and, and QPR for a while. And then R- Ronnie Ronnie Jepson, I was reading, has, has come in as Warnock's number two. I mean, he was at the Cobblers last season, wasn't he? After after David yeah, Keller, as part, as part of the back room. I team. heard it was Jepson and, and recommended him. You know, I just think there might be. I I think I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, obviously, all the numbers, uh, all the. Um, you know, the uh, the chat is, we don't need to sell him, Keith Curl's been saying for the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. And, um, you know, we, 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 we've got a pretty good hand here sort of thing. I just wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the whole thing goes through um, quite soon, really. They, they manage to thrash it out, those blokes that are quite tight and know each other. And somewhere mm-hmm. in between the 500 and the, you know, the jackpot bingo million, I think the important point with, with Good is, and I think it's, it's sort of been mentioned in the spices a little bit, is that obviously stock is very high, but with the lockout and, you know, lockdown, sorry, and the potential for, you know, Northampton to be in a local lockdown, our bargaining position is going to be getting weaker by the day with, with no turnover. So it's not just a straight, straight negotiation. Because the, 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 the buying club's going to say, look, need this money <laughs> you know this we're only going to offer it once and we'll be off so uh, that's the first thing second thing is Jefferson made a good point about Cobblers players being sold in the past not, not at the right time in their progression so you want to keep them a bit longer or developing like posh but could it be the case that actually um, Good is actually developed very precociously in a short amount of time but might have maybe have reached his level so uh, maybe is he is he actually championship level we haven't 
we haven't seen any cobblers don't play that much football in my opinion on the floor so to go to the championship is a massive step up so is it is it a good time for cobblers to be filling now and, and taking that you know 750 a million so we'll see i spoke to a guy called um gabriel who's a football lad and we were talking about where Charlie can end up and said that he really needs to end up at a very direct side where his, where his skills can be instantly transferable. And I think Middlesbrough play quite a direct style. Warnock sort of known for that sort of style. So that could be a good fit. But it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And um, yeah, like I said, I reckon it'll be a, a record. Well, they've already bought a centre-half, Grant Hall, this summer. Yeah. So, you know, whether he wants a, a new unit in there. Or I don't know what you can read into that. Who knows at the end of it? So maybe Pearlball is catching on because I read an interview with um, Kenny Jacket, the who's the manager of Portsmouth, I think he is. And he was his style of play he was describing, and it was quite a similar scenario. The fans weren't happy with the entertainment you know, in terms of you know, the, the style of play and stuff. But he was he was describing in exactly the way Curl plays, and maybe people are seeing that Curl's where you're playing in Moneyball terms is really quite effective and, you know, a good bang for your buck. So maybe Middlesbrough are saying, well, let's sort of play a bit more how Curl plays and use a couple of his players. A bit like um, you were saying that, um, you know, Ireland, Republic of Ireland borrowed, Andy, didn't they, borrowed the style of um, uh, Graham Carstyle in 1986-87. Yeah, so we'll see um, how, how it goes with... With Charlie Good, he's he's a bit of a gimme anyway. He's, he's signed for next to nothing, and he, if he goes for a million, that's brilliant work from Keith Carl. Yeah, so that's Joe Mills covered, who looks a solid signing. Um, at the moment, it's sort of pre-season, well, it would have been pre-season friendly time. The uh, traditional friendly at Silby has not happened this year, but. Um, Cobblers have announced a friendly against Leighton Orion, actually, at Sixfields, which will be behind, behind closed doors. So I think they're going to stream that, actually. That'd be quite interesting. But um, we're going to talk about uh, a little four-team fantasy-friendly lineup. So if you could organise a pre-season friendly, the Tournois, do you remember that? The international one? That was a cool one. Uh, Andy probably covered that, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> who would you... Yeah, who would you who would you invite to play against the Cobblers? So we'll have it at Sixfields, I think. Or I don't know if you don't want it, you can have it anywhere elsewhere. But we'll start with Martin Maloney first. He follows a couple of other clubs. Martin, who would you invite in a fourteen uh, fourteen friendly tournament? Oh, I mean, I I would just be totally totally biased. So we would probably have St Pauli from oh, yes. Hamburg. Uh, we 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 would also have Dulwich Hamlet, and of course, if I'm getting to cho- getting to choose it, there's no way I'm passing up this chance. So we'd have Club 81 Veterans. <laughs> That's uh, Sam Pauli versus Club 81 Veterans. That's just a fixture to uh, to conjure with, and and yeah, a bit of left wing theme there. I'd never noticed myself, Tom. Um, <laughs> my attention. I think um, it's good to get teams that are going to bring quite a few fans. I don't know how many fans Club 81 veterans are going to bring. But... Well, I mean, there was a used to be this bloke who'd come up. We play up at, up at Lingswood. And um, I know this bloke coming along 
Oh boy. And I was on the bench, funnily enough, so it hardly narrows it down. But he's um he's re- he stood on the sideline reading a book, which was kind of odd, with a bat with a Tesco bag with four cans of Stella. <laughs> like, that is just kind of beautiful. It's some sort of intellectual that follows Club eighty one home and away. Four cans, four pack of Stella. I- I don't think we've ever had a travelling army. I mean, I think we've had, count injured players. I mean, sometimes it might be two or three people watching. I think cobblers might struggle against um, Club 81. It's the sort of game we'd struggle with, wouldn't it? It would be a, a nil-nil and we'd lose in the last minute. <laughs> There's not many, not many nil-nils with us. There's plenty of things <laughs> two-nil. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's that's a decent... Uh, I'm particularly uh, enamoured with St. Pauli, so that's, that's, that's good in my book. Andy, what about you, buddy? What are you going to go for? Well, it's a globalised world, Tom, isn't it? And um, you've got to look—you got to look to the new markets, the emerging markets. So you get on a plane, uh, you fly out to Kuala Lumpur um, for a four-team <laughs> tournament at the, the Bukit Jalil Stadium, uh, eighty thousand capacity. And yeah, you just—you just have a little round robin between Northampton Town, uh, Paris Saint Germain. Oh. Uh, the Malaysian national team and, and Watford. Uh, you know, you, you, you play it over a couple of days and then you have a day off. I uh, launched the Cobblers mega store out in KL. Um, you know, face masks with Richard Hill on, on them. Um, and then, you know, you, you, you jet back via Miami and just have a Legends game, Cobblers Legends against Peterborough. And just just watch, watch the cash roll in. Basically, you know, it's all about the emerging markets, mate. I like that you're going international as well. You're not just staying at Sixfields. And that, that could almost turn into a... Remember the first cup, Andy, well, I didn't know this. The first cup used to be based around trade fairs before what became the European Cup. So they'd have a football game, football tournament, and they'd have a trade fair as well. So it was a good way of doing trade. So you could, like, have a trade fair going on in Kuala Lumpur. All our <laughs> shoes going over there. You see, you're on, board, you're on board with it already. Aren't you? Yeah. Oh, you're a visionary, Andy. I'm just going to back all your ideas. Anyone, well, do you rem- one that does anyone does anyone remember the Makita tournament? Because I saw yes. a, you know on the on this day or whatever sort of what yeah. would it have been thirty years ago, and I just mm. remember like Arsenal, Dynamo Kiev, Porto, nice. and someone else. I can't Chelsea, remember. Wasn't it? Chelsea. Um, I think it was another international side. Um, uh, but it was obviously in the obviously in the days when European clubs were banned from. Uh, sorry, British clubs were banned from um, English clubs. I'll get it right. English clubs were banned from European competition. So all these sort of ra- random tournaments popped up friendly wise. And it, I think they, all the games were at Wembley. And I remember watching that on telly and thinking, that's quite cool. Because sort of before 85, I was a little bit too young to remember the European Cup. And Arsenal against Dynamo Kiev was, was quite exotic then, you know. But yeah, did, uh, didn't, didn't Eddie McGoldrick talk about his time? He played in some unusual did, didn't, he? didn't he? The uh, the ban. I think I think he he might have been involved in that actually. Yeah. He uh, he talked about um, playing in the what were some of the uh, the home the home tournaments like the not the. Uh, oh, that was the Simod Cup. Simod Cup, yeah. But anyway, Dynamo Kiev. No, they around that time they would have had a donkin team, I should think. Early sort of yeah. Yeah. So that would have been a, a 
described as a crack Eastern European outfit, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, you have and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. But yeah, that, I like that you're bringing a bit of glamour to our little tournament. You know, not just with, with all due respect to Martin's Club Eighty One, the old with his cat Stella and his book. It's not really <laughs> eight thousand stadiums a long part. And and he's just he, he's a bit too avant garde. <laughs> let's let's go with Ian. Let's go with you next, mate. Who is your four four tournament? Um, I'd have. I think I'm still bitter. What we were talking about the other day, Carl Heggs and um, Ray Warburton going to Russian and Diamonds. So I'd quite like a game between us and AFC Russian and Diamonds, um, with it all on the line. So if if they win, they get to keep the Mortsel Cup. And if we win, they go out of business forever. And there's no <laughs> AFC. Gone. Kind of like a wrestling stipulation, Jake, isn't it? Loser leaves football forever. Yeah. And um, Real, Real Sofiedad, that's my cousin's team over in the in the Basque country. Like to nice. see um, like to, I can see thousands of um, Basques descend on the PTS Academy. Um, <laughs> Just say we were out of lockdown. Thousands yeah. of fans sending in Northampton from Real Sociedad. Where, yeah. where would they well, well, drinking? Well, I'd take well, them as, as I have done when my cousins have come over from the Basque Country. I'd do the natural thing and take them up the Welly Road. Actually, Joe, it's funny. Thousands of Basque people in the Crown and Cushion. Are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> I was talking about the Crown and Christian earlier, actually. Um, when my cousin came over a few years ago, it was when the moon on the square was still open. He, and he really liked it there. He kept going on <laughs> into town to like to have a nice meal in the moon on the square. <laughs> <laughs> he really nice liked it. Yeah, no, he didn't have an absinthe. Now, it's funny, when I go over there, like he's like, oh, you've got to have all this traditional Basque stuff here. And you've got to have this Basque side. He, like, you drink it like out of a shot sort of glass. Yeah. And, and then when I, when they come in, yeah, they go to, goes to the moon on the square. There you go. It's a cultural trade-off. <laughs> I love that. It's a shame that he fantastic. never had the sizzling platter from uh, oh, Chicago. No, <laughs> no, no, Chicago, didn't he? What's that drink they drink in the Basque country? It's um, Coke and red wine mixed together. Yeah, they do. Yeah, especially when you're about 15, when it's the fiestas and all that, and they stay up all night on the... Yeah, yeah, I had that when I went over there. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll Google it. I'll, well, by the end of the show, I'll find you the name of this drink. But like, I was speaking to um, a couple of Basque people and they were saying, basically, you use the god-awful, like, the cheap, cheap Basque red wine, cheapest red wine, and you put it in, and they mix it up in like a plastic bag or something. It's like really like rough. rough. Yeah, it's, it's mainly for the kids, though. You know what I mean? Like, you know, what it's like on the continent. They start drinking... It's their equivalent of going over like um, Mendit Park, Jeff, like you used to when you were young, lad. <laughs> <don't you? laughs> Mad Dog 2020. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the name of it, if you're listening, if you're if you're interested in this, listeners, is Calimocho. It's Coke and red wine. You can make it at home. Be like a continental basque and just get out of your face on that. I can imagine that it's like an upper and a down in one. I bet it's a, it's a bit like Oakley and Red Bull, isn't it? Sort of like, uh, yeah. yeah, probably going straight to the red. But um, yeah. So what were you? What recap your teams again? Yes, yeah, Dad. So, so see you, Russian Diamonds. And Russian Diamonds. 
I, you know, it's funny. I actually did see Cobblers play abroad in a in a pre-season tournament once by accident. I booked a holiday to Ibiza, right? And then about a month like before we were going, it's, they announced, oh, yeah, Cobblers are going to be playing in the San Antonio Cup. I was thinking, well, where's that pitch then? We're staying there. And I'm not joking. It's like, I came, I think I was saying to a lot of people there, where's this football ground, this non, you know, Spanish non-league football ground? Came out the room, looked over like the side of the landing. I saw Mark Bunn warming up. I'm my hotel like London. It's bizarre. And um, yeah, I ended up, I couldn't get in because I, I think like, like they let like the super fans that had bought into the, um, the trip package, you know, they used to do. But, I did watch and me and a couple of Sunderland lads and my bored girlfriend as she was then stood on the other side of a like a of a wire fence watching cobblers trounce a team of Ibethan part timers like fifty one nil or something. <laughs> I'll was put them game, in. Was that the game when the cobblers tried to put that kid on? There was a fan there, it was about eleven, and they tried to bring him on as a sub for a oh, lot. And the yeah, other yeah, six actively kicked off. Yeah. No, it wasn't that. <laughs> Oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> so Ian, you're going for San Ant- what's it called? San Antonio FC? Yeah, yeah. That could have been San Antonio FC, I think should have been like a reality T V show, maybe it could be a Northampton TV patch just when we set up again. But you can imagine San Antonio TV, you could have like a reality show based around a night slip in San Antonio and some sort of terrible <laughs> club attached on. Sort of club Alistair Stowe probably plays for now. The, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Keith Curl like sign Nicky Adams because they were like when when all the players were um were they in Marbella after they won the league and um they were out partying and Keith Curl was out there as well and like he bumped into him in the street and basically convinced him to come and sign for um Carlisle. Well, if, that, that. if that ain't true, what what is true? I, I just want that. I want that to believe business, that's true. Not business gets done. Like in, like, I remember reading the best best football autobiography you can ever read, Stan Turner's autobiography, and he was mm. and he tells yeah. the story when he got Berry promoted when they won uh, League Two, and um, they all went on away on an end of season uh, celebration to uh, Magaluf, and like loads of his players bought uh, broke curfew, so he's up and up like the main strip in Magaluf looking for his team. And he said, I, I didn't find the ones I was looking for, but by the end of the night, I'd signed four players for the next season because, like, <laughs> in, um, in Magaluf that, that week. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't, doesn't legend have it that um, Man United played sporting club in that summer of, what, it been 2003? And um, the players said to Ferguson, I, urban myth, isn't it? God knows what's true. But crikey, this lad's a bit special. Ronaldo. Yeah, and because I always, because I always remember the cover of um, when Saturday comes around that time. And again, I wish I'd got the evidence to back this up. Um, It'll probably be on YouTube, um, and will no doubt be proved to be wrong. But um, he did a special piece of control, you know, big crossfield pass, and he did it. It's obviously a preseason friendly. He did a bit of a trick, trap the ball, um, you know, under his bum or something. Like I used to see Graham Reed do in the warm-ups at the county ground back in the day, and be absolutely, absolutely mesmerised by it. And the, the, um, you know, the caption, the, the, you know, the sort of fake speech bubble that when Saturday comes to, and it was literally <laughs> bloody hell. All I did was trap the ball. 
<laughs> you know, and, 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 that, and that was the, the big thing about, I always remember that from Ronaldo signing at United, but I definitely remember that. It was the players that said, crikey, this lads, who knows, who knows? Again, well, let's, we, we hope that's true because that sounds well, like yes, a right. lovely, lovely football story. Jefferson Lake has mm. sat through many terrible cobblers friendly, uh, including the in by Wimbledon. I think we got Dozens. we played Chelsea one year as well, didn't we? I think we got yeah, there was a year we had we played. Yeah, Chelsea played with all their stars, and they had I can't I want to say they had Marcel Desailly and people like that, but that's Hustle Bank wrong. played. Yeah, and they had and we played Villa as well that summer. Um, mm. And you know they they used to get really good like Premier League like their proper starting eleven would play, not like now where they send the under twenty threes or whatever. Can, um, can I just yeah. say that 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 game Cassie Cassiraghi scored. Um, wow, well, well there you go, see. <laughs> and and he, and he only played a couple of games, didn't he, before he broke his leg? Yeah, that's right. That's probably I, his I, only. I, goal. I, I, I think I think that's right. I think that was his only goal because we we did <laughs> TV outside broadcast for that match. We did everything was, yeah, uh, like a, like a cup final. A young John Terry was there because my friend was a big Chelsea fan, and he was saying this 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 kid called Terry is the one to watch out for. He's going to be there, and I was like, oh yes, about to be true. But yeah, so Jeff, who was yeah, your? I remember the warm applause from the north and the west stand, and when he came yes. over, I think take corner. I thought, oh, that's a bit, you know, they're showing a bit of respect there. Normally they give proper, you know, Wayne Rooney didn't get that when he came to Derby. He got <laughs> sacred things about his personal life. It's more, it's more genteel times, wasn't it? It was more, yeah. You know. um yeah so i've got a stellar stellar lineup for my uh for my pre-season tournament which definitely would be hosted at sixfields just speaking there about uh nicky adams imagine the next day him waking up in his hotel room in wherever it was in magaluf and head absolutely pounding boiling hot mouth completely dehydrated and thinking christ what did i do yesterday and then remembering that he bumped into keith curl and looking over and the, and the bed next to him on the pillow is a signed Northampton Town contract. And just think, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. What, what, I'm, I'm never drinking again. Um, also, that um, the red wine and Coke sounds delicious. So what I'm going to propose is the first game fans are back for Cobbler's game. We, we all need to meet up and bring a Tesco bag or uh, other, other yeah. supermarkets are available full of red wine and Coke. And we'll all drink them before the match. And then, okay. and then so we're going to steal this brilliant whatever happens. I, I, I will, in a personal capacity, not on behalf of my employer, I will provide the Tesco bags. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. There we go. We're halfway there already. Um, so the tournament, um, first on the list of invited clubs, is uh, Rawns Town because uh, Silby Rangers seem to have taken over Rawns Towns place as that opening game friendly it always used to be you drive out to rawns for the first game on a tuesday yeah. night somewhere and have a drink in the clubhouse yeah, yeah. Yeah. and see the see these new players play uh, against rawns so it's a shame for rawns really that they've lost that but then it's not really very near to northampton so it doesn't really make a great deal of sense that they did that um and the other two teams because we want to attract um a lot of fans get some good revenue in and I've picked two teams who would bring a lot of support from around the county, specifically one other town in the county uh, and two teams where, you know, there's a real brotherhood between the fans. So everyone will get along. We'll have a really great time. So I'd, I think we have Celtic and Rangers uh, at this tournament. 
uh, and just have just have all all the fans mix in together in the west stand you know alcohol for sale everywhere oh, you know get, get the bars open you know celtic v rangers That's in good. 30 degree temperature all the lads come down from corby it'd be a great afternoon for the families and everyone to get involved what could go wrong just, I, I, I think it'd just be a beautiful yeah. moment a family carnival family day face paint yeah. bouncy castle the love yeah, yeah maybe you have a bouncy castle the bouncy castle could have like celtic <laughs> colors on you ever have the union jack yeah perfect i mean there might even be a slight remodeling of the east stand while they're there you know <laughs> the possibilities are endless like a ground demolition in one that's just, yeah that yeah. sounds good so it's warns town Celtic yep. and Rangers, it's like and, and, and Northampton Town, just to just <laughs> obviously. Or should we just not have cobblers? Just all scrap cobblers. We could do a three, a three, a three way, uh, so to speak. Um. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, I think that's that's one of their best ones so far. I just think the potential for Celtic and Rangers in one place. Yeah, they would draw a lot of fans there from Corby and stuff, and yeah, yeah probably It'd be really nice. Down, I think. So, yeah, spot on for me. I've gone. I've got two answers. Like one is bit sensible and a bit boring and the other one I was just thinking of really poncy sort of football hipster names that I would like to come over so the first one is all Claret the Claret Brothers tournament so the first so that's going to have all teams that are playing Claret so it's obviously Cobblers Hearts who um, are going to get a groan from Martin because Martin don't like Hearts Heart of Midlothian he's a Hibs man so they play in maroon actually though they say because i know a few guys from hearts and they all say they play in maroon but for me the difference is like so so hearts then torino of italy um probably andy's andy's probably been there commentated there lovely lovely probably had some beautiful turin torino torino girlfriend girlfriend. yeah you've been to the deli alpi haven't you yes is that standard deo communale where they shared it uh yeah what well the um it was co- the communale was before wasn't it yeah and then they built the deli alpi for italia 90 i think it did both teams play it play you oh yeah yeah they yeah absolutely yeah they shared it they've, i think they've always shared the stadium yeah so that would be nice to get torino down um and a bit of glamour and then the other team who i've suddenly i've got a weird penchant of going over there i've never I haven't made it it's quite expensive but Detroit City FC, probably in the least glamorous American city, but they play right. in Claret as well. And they've got a uh, Lincoln's Cobblers because Seb Harris, um, Ian's mate, Ian's <laughs> mate's cousin or whatever it was, nephew or something. Yeah, Seb Harris plays for Detroit City or played, so that's true, isn't it, Ian? Yeah, Seb Harris, yeah, he, um, yeah, that's right. He, he, um, he watched me play football once, actually. Sunday League. It's going back to Sunday League because he was there with his um his uncles. So yeah, obviously modelled his game on what not to do. <laughs> so yeah, so there that'll be that'll be neat to have a little uh, sort of claret tournament and then a bit boring. But the other one I was going to go for is Dynamo Dresden. This is a this is a separate tournament. Dynamo Dresden because their fans are just crazy in in East Germany. Not so they, I think one game they all turned dressed up as soldiers and went to the game like. They lost to like 10,000 away. So, where were Dynamo Dresden drinking in Northampton? I reckon get them in the shipments and the other one, the rifle bat, wherever it's called. They'd be, <laughs> the be down the racehorse, mate. The bottom of the Welly Road. Would just be massively be in headbanging in there. Old Bank. Dynamo Dresden will have a few in the Old Bank. And the, uh, where else could they go? What's that one at the top of 
top of the drapery, the Irish one. I can't remember what that's called. But yeah, so Dynamo Dresden, Dynamo Dresden, and then just top of my head, Andy probably knows a little bit about him. Huracan of Argentina. Oh come on, that sounds like a good club. I think they're from Buenos Aires. So we'll have Dynamo Dresden, Huracan probably got these like lethal ultras that will come over, smash the place to pieces. Um, and the last one I'll go for. <laughs> oh yeah, Wilhelm Dry. Probably pronounce that wrong. Any Dutch people listening? We've got a few. Oh, Willem Dre. Willem Dre of... Oh, Willem Dre. Willem Dre of uh, Tilburg. And uh, they're just a team that's fascinated me for a while. I don't know. Tilburg, probably Northern Holland. Andy's probably been there again. But uh, I reckon they'll bring a few, quite a few fan, passionate fans over. That's a good enough answer. So, yeah. So, there's two tournaments there. Either the Claret Tournament or the, just the dreadful little hipster tournament. But we've got quite a few there to be getting on with. We'll move swiftly on to our final segment. We've got lives to live, which is, you know, it's taking a bit of a diversion, I've got to admit. We've gone from Villam Drive, Horacan, Falklands Club 81, to what cobbler's player <laughs> would be the best and most likely cult leader and who, in fact, whose cult you would actually join if they actually did start cult up. Because, you know, footballers have got big personalities and there's the types who could actually gain that sort of crowd. And you think... Uh, We'll start with you, Ian. Have you had to give this any thought? Okay, yeah. I've gone for Graham Lambeau-Reed, hoping that he's up to his, his, his survivalist sort of Rambo nickname. <laughs> I can imagine him sort of with the headband and the crossbow sort of hunting to s- survive maybe somewhere in the county, maybe Lingswood, Holston first. <laughs> <laughs> A group of followers, you know, living that sort of natural lifestyle, maybe foraging. What what he didn't hunt down, you can maybe sort of berries off the, the trees or, or, or what have you. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think that'd be quite a nice way to see out your time. <laughs> Do you reckon he'd be a peaceful sort of cult? Or would he, you know, obviously the Rambo in the film was a driver of the Vietnam War, wasn't he? No, I think it might be a bit like the old, um, what's it called? The, the, the massacre, you know, when sort of, as long as everything's okay, it'd be peaceful. But if the... Um, oh, I know what the, you mean. A wacko. Wacko. Yeah. yeah. If they try to David get involved... Yeah, that's the one. I think... <laughs> I'm not saying it made me drink the Kool-Aid, but if <laughs> if things did get out of hand and the authorities asked too many questions, it could turn a bit nasty. As many all, of his tackles when he no, was playing in- centre-half. Division it all four. ends up a bit, a bit like Raoul Moat, I reckon, if it goes wrong with um, with Graham Reid. Yeah, right. Actually, you know, Gaza's Gaza's got a KFC and a fishing rod. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, I can imagine this playing out in Lingswood. It's actually too startling a vision for me, Ian. It's just too believable. <laughs> but, <laughs> I think Tash. It's, I think you can actually find a lot of stuff. <laughs> I think yeah, if you looked so around, things, quite a lot of weapons to, to use anyway, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> and would you follow this cult, Ian? Is it one that if it yeah, actually, actually... Definitely. You wouldn't think twice about it. All right, then that's... Uh, yeah, I think that's perfectly plausible. We're worryingly plausible, actually. Let's go to you, Jefferson. What would yours be, mate? Oh, my God. Um, well, they've kind of had a couple of cult leaders already within the club because 
Akin, we spoke last time I was on the show. We spoke about Akin Fenwa, and he definitely was had like a following in the dressing room, and that was kind of part of his downfall. And John Joe O'Toole was um, a cult player, and um, and had and definitely had like a almost semi-religious following, didn't he, among the fans? There's a guy on Twitter who was posting a picture of John Joe O'Toole every day, which I thought was this yeah. incredible devotion to the to the cause. <laughs> um, in terms of who whose cult I would follow, now possibly a controversial one. Um, Aidy Boothroyd had an ability to really charm everyone. Um, he okay. and I think he would be. Uh, uh, someone who I would um, kind of un, un, unwittingly follow, sort of, sort of subconsciously lured into to following him into uh, a lifestyle obsessing about first ball winners and uh, all footballers having to be over six foot four and players who have a throw in that they can throw it 60 yards to the back post and things like that. And we spend hours sat around the campfire reminiscing about great, uh, great b- balls into the corner for someone to chase and stuff like that. So I'm going to go the the cult of AD. He had this brilliant ability to um, be able to kind of summarise a quite complex situation or problem within with um, a, a unique and previously unheard cliche. So once he said, uh, in terms of uh, sort of adding to a team, buying players, changing players, changing mentality, um, you know, recruiting tactics, et cetera, et cetera. The ongoing process of that, he said, he sort of leaned back in his chair and he said, we're trying to build an airplane in the sky. And it's like, oh, oh yeah. And, 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 and if, you're of a, <laughs> if you're a quite feeble-minded type who would be easily follow a cult leader, you'd probably sort of be a bit wide-eyed at this moment and go, oh, yeah, that's really profound. Um, where do I sign away all, all, of, my, uh, all of my earthly possessions and, and join this, this cult following? Um, but, yeah, he, yeah he, I mean, very charismatic, yeah, to, to answer your question. And... Ability-wise, yeah, it last, it was all right for a while, wasn't it? And didn't they used to call him? You said Jeff, they used to call him him, didn't they? They used to refer to him yeah. as him, almost like as a, as a worldly being. Yeah, quasi quasi deity in, in his own right. Yeah, um, yeah, and but then it all, all went horribly wrong, didn't it? Mm, I think it's, they went horribly wrong because they didn't follow his uh, his higher teachings and, and go and live in in the woods somewhere. Well, that well, that's ex- that's exactly it. I mean, he was he was sort of turned up for training a caftan and uh, and 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 a, and a gradually a gradually lengthening beard and starting to become even more uh, bizarre in his teachings, kind of like a Colonel Kurtz type figure. Uh, and no one was willing to get to get on the boat and follow him into Cambodia, and uh, and, and then they lost that playoff final, and then that was that really. <laughs> And then he got a job with the FA. What I always love is that he's in charge of the he's in charge of the under 21s. And when he was fired by Northampton, I think uh, they were 91st in the football league. And his assistant, and I think he still is his assistant, was Colin Cooper. Uh, and he went. He was fired by Hartlepool. They were 92nd in the football league. So uh, safe, two safe pairs of hands there. With but he can make an aeroplane in the sky though, Jeff. So. Well, he, and 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 what more do you need in terms of attributes? This is 
this is so worryingly believable that I'm actually buying into it, and I probably would sign the papers and you know move to uh, Cambodia, you know, beautiful country. So yeah, that's 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 a good one. Who haven't we asked? Um, and Andy, we asked yours. Can't remember. I'm just sort of uh, mesmerised. Uh, yeah, well, quite. I mean, that's the spell of Aiden, isn't it? It's what, I just love that idea of being swept up in it and then sort of, you know walking out the office and then just ten yards down. You what? But yeah, I mean, cult wise. Um, the I mean you mentioned it already the you know the the, the lads over in Texas about about twenty years ago the the the, the branch David Gil, David Gilbertians uh, <laughs> you know, in in the town of Waylock uh, Waylock Texas um, yeah I mean you get swept up in that and then go down in a blaze of glory but the, the it did actually happen though didn't it I mean basically Graham Carr's team. For that, that that year or so, that was that was a cult. I mean, he was the don. He drew people towards him. You know, people came from as far afield as Nuneaton, in um, in some cases. <laughs> and you know, and it, I mean, he, Eddie McGoldrick said it, didn't he? When um, when we spoke to him a while back, I mean, he was kind of the player's dad, the agent, the the fixer, the mate. The, you know, uh, you you went to be harsh. You went to put an arm around the shoulder. And that that was almost like a cult environment. I mean, you know, he had a certain look about him. He owned a hat, which is um, <laughs> which I think is probably important for leaders. And yeah, I mean, it's just, and no one has a bad word to say about him. And at the end of the day, you don't read the Kool Aid, do you? You drink the Curl Aid. Come on. <laughs> so you're saying, Andy, that the the cult has actually existed, and we just didn't really register it at the time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose that that that's the secret of of a good cult, isn't it? Did you uh, do you ever play Grand Theft Auto, the the latest version? I think it's part. Oh yes. Does yes. yeah, just played it. There's a <laughs> cult in it. There's a cult in this game, right? And I don't know. I'm probably the only one that bothers to do it. But to, you, you're playing this game through the story mode, and you have to do like various bank robberies and stuff. But part of it is you have to try and get in the cult, isn't it, Jeff? Yeah, and yeah. And you have to do all these challenges, and one of them is you have to run through the desert for like something like five hours or something like that like in real time on the computer game uh i actually did it did you did you do that like i just um i think i still take the control pad to just run in a circle brilliant you to run in a, you do <laughs> that's that, commit right? that's commitment that is yeah yeah you and then you, you then you join this cult and you get to wear the cult robes on graph yeah that was, that was pretty cool but my cult would be based around john hodge <laughs> no kind of man yeah john hodge because because he was probably the best winger of all time for not happening he uh my cult wouldn't be like a violent one like ian's which is basically gonna end in disaster because you're some sort of a weapon hoarder um and it's not it's not a doomsday cult it's just literally it's gonna be in paraguay under john hodge the, the winger and basically you just do all the fine arts of being a ringer so you'd practice like uh Dropping your shoulder in the morning. <laughs> Afternoon would be Cruyff turns. Uh, then you do a bit of crossing, dribbling, and you know that'll be it. And you know, in the evening, just all sit around. But I just think John Hodge would be someone I'd respect and, and follow to the end of the world. Do you remember John Hodge playing for us, Jeff? I do. Yeah, he was. Um, and you were chatting about him uh, last week, weren't you? Or the other week, and uh, very much a sort of typical kind of like a massively watered down fourth division version of um, John Robertson from Forest. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very, very much. But like that sort of diminutive, uh, wick, tricksy, tricky winger, but no real pace. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you remember Hodge played in that? Um, it was the kind of a testimonial game. I can't remember what for when he and he did the thing where he pulled the shorts right up and wore the comedy glasses. Oh, oh we laughed that night. That yeah. was that so was like, a great yeah. night. Didn't Keith Welsh sit on a deck chair in goal? That's in right, there. he did. Yeah, and he read a copy of The Cron. That's it. Yeah, see, I love things like that. All what about the brand. For, Say again, sorry. What was that for? Like, why was this happening? Why was this comedy stuff going on? Oh, it was. It was. It was testimonial, wasn't it? I can't remember yeah, who it was. It was at the end of the season, so it was sort of about a week after the season had finished. It might have been Graham Reed's actually. I remember going to Graham Reed's up there, yeah. wouldn't you? Well, it might have been Dennis Casey's. When I think it was Could case. Yeah. It was a strange night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> one of one of many thousand strange nights up there, I must admit. But... <laughs> I think John Hodge, John Hodge's cult would be well fed cult cult. He was quite uh, podgy, wasn't he? He was quite podgy. <laughs> podgy hodgy. Podgy hodgy. You get plenty of uh you get well fed. You come out with some absolutely exemplary <laughs> uh, chalk on your boots skills. That's what he not he? He found that little bit of space between the byline. And he wouldn't run that fast, but he'd do a step over or something, and the ball would be whipped in. He was just like with someone I'd give all respect. Chris, Chris Hackett was the same. All he, the only thing he ever used to do was line the line the fullback up one v one, step over with the right foot, move the ball with uh, step over with the left foot, move the ball forward with the right foot, and then whip it in. I think well, we'll wrap up now because um, you know, had far too much AD Boothroyd chat. Yeah, but I just I do worry, Jeff, that you won't be here next week because you'll be you'll be at St George's Park in a special room. <laughs> Primal screaming with baby Being waterboarded. <laughs> you know too much, Jeff. This is a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I fit in that press room, you're piecing it all together. This yeah. is all the making cult, a personality cult. And yeah. it's only pointing to one. So yeah, so so if Jeff's not here next week, he's uh He's prone to a giant rock that's in the back of St George's Park. So, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining us, guys. And uh, we'll all chat. Hopefully, Jeff, Jeff come back next week if he can escape the clutches of the cult. But I'll yeah, try. We'll... <laughs> thanks for coming on, guys. We'll speak to you all soon. Take care. Cheers. Cheers, all. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Yeah, bye bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.